0: Welcome to 80s Music Exposed, the podcast in which we review all the best albums of the 80s one month at a time. We will break them down, give you the skinny, and duke it out over whether or not you should dig these out again. So, if you're ready for an 80s music deep dive from Aha! to Wham!, Bowie to XTC, Madonna, Hair Metal, New Wave, and all points in between, Then crank the boombox, turn your Walkman up to 10, and let's go.
1: Welcome to 80s Music Exposed. I'm Henry. He's colorblind. And I hate cheese. And I'm Chris. I'm Megan,
2: (laughs) and I love cheese. Cheddar
1: cheese. If we're we're confessing, I don't like chocolate. Megan, is there anything normal that you don't like?
2: Hmm. Oh, (laughs) like chocolate milk, and I don't like drinking milk.
0: You
1: don't like drinking milk at all?
2: No. I mean, I like milk on like cereal and like in coffee and things like that. But, um, like drinking a glass of milk, I would never do. So
1: you're not allergic. See, you just don't like it.
0: I'm fine with milk. And cheese is basically rotten milk.
1: Stop it. It is. See, he always has to bring up rotten when he's talking about
0: cheese. Cheese <laughs> is basically rotten milk.
1: <laughs> you're being
0: dramatic. Yeah, you're
1: being over dramatic. Everyone loves cheese.
0: <laughs> I mean,. <laughs> You want to ask me about my experience in the 80s and cheese and shit?
1: That was my... I don't know that we need... Gross. I don't think we can go there. This is a family show. <laughs> is it really?
2: Is did you it have me? a, a um, government cheese or something? Oh, shit.
0: That's right. Was I remember... That. Hey, case. they did do that back then. Do you remember the government cheese thing? That was in the 80s. No. I don't remember I that. It,
2: yeah, I was going
0: to say. I never got any because that shit is gross. <laughs> Well, of course, yeah. if but they were, you didn't you were like regular cheese, cheese. You're not going to eat anything called government cheese. <laughs> that's what it was. I hadn't really thought, Megan. I hadn't thought about that in forever.
1: Well, in case you, in case you folks are wondering, we don't really have a big intro this time, so I guess we're just filling with cheese bit. In case you haven't wondered, if you've
0: clicked on a button that says '80s Music Exposed' and said, "Oh my god, aren't these guys supposed to be talking about albums?" But instead, you talked about government cheese and chocolate. That's
1: us. <laughs> Do you want to hear about the uh, Billboard Top 100, yeah. five top singles? from
0: back in the month of... April. April 1983. 1983.
1: Did you guys know that the number one song uh, for two weeks in April was uh, Billie Jean? Wasn't
0: Billie Jean the number one song in every month? For well, it was in Billie March, year? but I've
1: got a fascinating That's fact fine. for you. It so, got replaced in the third week of April by another song called Beat It. Wow, two songs competing with each other by the same dude. This is like Beatles territory where you just like dominate the top of the chart. Come On Eileen actually unseated both of those songs for one little week hmm. uh, from Dexie's Midnight Runners. And then hovering around number two and number three, they never could get to number one, was... Um, do you remember the song Jeopardy by the Greg Kin band? Yes, unfortunately. I looked it up because we covered, I think, a record of his last year called, like... Yeah, we well, trashed it. Kin something, but this one was called Conspiracy.
0: Yeah. It's, Every record was like that. Yeah. yeah,
1: they all had Ken in the name. I love that. Number five was Mr. Roboto by Styx. Disappointed. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Is,
2: are you trying to do P.I.L. or whatever? I Disappointed, that song? It did
1: sound like Lydon. You have to shake your head. Disappointed. Folks, okay. if you do not think that this is a deep... Dive into music. That reference right there was a music fan reference, a PIL reference. I mean, come on, you're in the right place if you got that reference. Welcome, welcome, Welcome all welcome, PIL fans
0: basking your music nerddom.
1: And for the rest of you that are just sitting here going, oh, I got to go play that Our Loves in Jeopardy song by Greg Kinn, you are welcome as well. Uh, right.
2: Is that a fan base that's around? I would say
1: <laughs> probably 70% of our <laughs> listeners. And there went Indiana. <laughs> oh.
3: That's
1: fine. It is fine. That's fine. It's Totally Who fine. Needs
3: them? Who needs them?
1: Sorry, Indiana. We love you. Yeah, man, we're just ripping I'm on Indiana. I'm from Michigan,
2: so I can't talk. Right,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Henry. Why don't you start off our significant events of April? Because the uh, songs have not been a big. I'm big glad hit so far. you put this n- as number one mm-hmm. because this was a big deal. NC State beat Houston.
0: In the greatest underdog win in NBA basketball history, I remember that moment where Valvano was running around looking for somebody to hug. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: you said NBA. I want to correct you. Sorry, it's NCAA. I meant NCAA. They were called. I know sorry. you did. They were called a Cinderella team. Right. There was just no way they were supposed to win that
0: and game. So, and here in North Carolina, the local radio stations would even write songs about them. You know, the local. I even remember those in my head right now. Maybe I'll find one and send you the clip for it. But it's yeah. always, uh, we always thought Valvano's feet would never touch the ground.
3: They called them cardiac kids and the Cinderella team. But Coach Valvano knew that they were playing like a dream. Rebounds, long shots, slam dunks would shut the door. But the magic didn't happen until the one last second score. Once again, Another big
1: deal was that Flashdance was the number one movie in theaters. What a feeling. <laughs> I, I have a story about this. So I bought, um, this was right around April of 1983. Is right around the time that um, Painter's Caps came in. Oh vote. my god! Do you know what a painter's cap is, Megan? Hey, is it an? Oh, <laughs> listeners, listeners!
0: Wait, you really should see the look. I've got a. We've got a camera on her, right? And I can. I'm looking is at her it, face, and her fan mouth fan. is open. Her mouth is open. <laughs> like what the fuck? Are you talking about painter's caps for? So
1: there used to be these caps. Now the first ones I ever saw actually had flaps down the back. The ones without the flaps, Megan, were just like shaped like a little round pillbox, but with a baseball cap front. So they were like circular with a flat top. and
2: Yes, I've seen those before.
1: Okay, so they were just starting to come into vogue. And every weekend I'd go to the mall with my friends, go to the arcade. And there was a store called Spencer's, which was kind of like, there's a store now called. They still have Spencer's. They still have Spencer's. Okay. Yeah. So it's just like a novelty store and stuff. And I saw this hat in there, a painter's cap, which I was like, oh my God, I have a painter's cap. And it just said, Maniac, across the front of it. And I thought that was like cool, because I'd be like a maniac. I didn't know there was a song in Flashdance called Maniac, and that's what the hat was about. And I took a lot of guff from the boys at school, because Flashdance was not cool if you were in sixth grade as a boy. You were not supposed to like Flashdance. dance Really. Really. I think because it was about dancing and stuff. I I, I, I don't even remember seeing it, but
2: even the part so like, babe dancing. Yeah, it's like no, I know now. Stuff.
1: Yeah, we should have all been into yeah like leg
0: warmers like in the chair for with sure. The, with the I, water I know her
3: in her water.
1: I get <laughs> it. <laughs> I might have been just under the age where the light went went off that that should have been cool to me. But um, anyway, I always remember that movie because of the painter's cap that said maniac.
0: Jennifer Beals, hello. Jennifer Beals, yep. I hope you're listening.
1: why don't we do some albums which is what the people came to hear all about it all about it let's get it all right the first one is by a band called the violent films the album is called violent Fims. it's their debut record it's an all music five-star album it's a rolling stone four-star album i don't think there's a hit on it but there's a cult classic 80s classic song called blister in the sun and this is it
2: the song like enough probably for the rest of my life
1: Ooh, okay a hater i like it
2: not a hater just i've heard this song a lot
1: Mm -hmm.
2: which that's i mean it is a cult classic so
1: so for henry and i in the 90s this was kind of a big thing for college kids like you would get drunk and sing the whole album like it was almost like rocky horror picture show kind of Cult, culty thing. So I knew the whole album as good as I knew this song. Is that the case with you, Megan? Or is it just Blister in the Sun that's like on every um. 80s thing?
2: It's funny that you mentioned the '90s connection because for some reason I honestly always thought that this album came out in like the early '90s right. because it kind of sounds a little bit like it just doesn't sound so very '80s to you, me. You might right. remember that, um, but going uh, back and listening to the whole thing because yeah. I never listened to the whole thing before, um, I do like it, and I. Like I, I don't know. I'm glad that I actually gave it a listen because I think I always looked at it as that's the Blister in the Sun band,
1: right? And 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 that's a, the the weird thing in the '90s was if you were at a party, a college party, and that came on, invariably they would at least play the whole first side, and everyone would sing along to the entire first side. So I never knew Blister in the Sun separate from the album until like now. And then I'm like, yeah, this, yeah. this one gets all the. It's kind of like a, the Smiths with How Soon Is Now, which is like, why do That's they always hearing. play that one song? But there it is. Um, the, Henry, the, one of the interesting things I learned about the band, because this is their debut album, I don't know if this is that true or not, but I read that they were found out in front of whatever the Milwaukee arena is. The Pretenders were going to play that night, and the guitar player for the Pretenders, James Honeyman Scott, saw them busking out front. And invited them in, and they actually did a small acoustic set before the show, and that's how they ended up getting signed.
0: Yeah, I read that too. Okay, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. I that is awesome. My sister Paige was telling me about when she first left home. Was telling me about this cool band she was into, right? And she said, "Oh, it's the Violent Femmes." And my in my brain, my very protected, uber religious brain back then was like, "Oh, the Violent Femmes—they sound dangerous. Like, oh, violent." Their guy, what are they, fems? What does this mean? Are they, like, gay and stuff? They what? probably worship the devil. They pro- yeah, they probably worship the <laughs> devil. They sound so dangerous, you know? And then I, then when I listened to it, I was like, wow, that doesn't really sound like anything I've ever heard to the guy's voice. It's kind of like a little bit whiny and all that stuff. I didn't know anything really back then about music so it was foreign from anything I knew. But fast forward five years later, and it's like, I, I never have taken them seriously as a band for some reason. I don't know why. I think they're like just interestingly quirky.
1: You know? so, and so I think I'd always taken them because of this album as like a party album. Maybe. But I uh, two two things that changed my view of that. Uh, one happened just that now, going back. I didn't realize how big of an influence Jonathan Rickman and the Modern Lovers had on... Gordon I could, I could see that and i think that might lend too to the jokiness because i don't know if you if any of you guys know jonathan rickman um or the modern lovers if you go back and listen to his stuff it kind of i'm always like is he is he making a joke like yeah. it, all his lyrics are so earnest and like you know, like he'll, he's one of those guys that'll be like, "Today I went and bought a coat, it was a warm coat." And you're like, "Is this okay? What is this a joke?" Or so, and I think Gordon Gano kind of gives that kind of impression too. Like, yeah. is this a joke or real? The other thing though, Henry was, I really love a record they put out in the '90s called "Why Do Birds Sing." Right. Right, I remember that, and that's what I was
0: was about to okay. mention to Megan. Yeah, that maybe she heard that album because that came out in the nineties. Yeah, and that one gave me a real like. Yeah. Yes, I think it was their
1: that song "American Music" was on it, which might be mm-hmm. one of their best songs. I think the album's really good. I think it makes up for the not not that this isn't a great album. It just makes up for the like jokiness kind of of this album. I think. I think it's this one is their best. Do you I think that?
2: Do. To go back to the jokiness, because I kind of picked up on that too, and I think a lot of it might have to do with his delivery.
1: Yeah, and it's very Jonathan Rich- Richmond like uh, Same
2: with him. Yes. So, like, I don't know if it's so much the lyrics, mm-hmm. because, I mean, there's some bands where you look at the lyrics to a song and, like, you maybe don't understand it when they're singing, like right. a Paul Westerberg, for example. Right, right. But then, like, you read the lyrics and you're like, this is kind of dumb, you well, know? But, it, like...
1: It's interesting with Gordon Gano too because it it is punk. It's like a folk band with a punk singer because it's like he is just—he sounds like a dude writing real stuff, right? And then you realize he wrote all these songs when he was seventeen in high school. If
0: you listen to all—all the
1: characters in the songs are like sexually frustrated, like seventeen,
0: paranoid, Mm -hmm. right? Creepy, kind of um, nervous, anxious, and that's in this record. And, I'm and, not sure that, I, and, and knowing what I know about their other stuff, I think it did really well for this because they were young right. and like punk rock. But I don't know that that shtick stuck as well, with the exception of uh, the birds singing record. That one.
1: Well, and that, we that and we have to remember guess. now we we've, we've all three of us we've heard every kind of thing now. Yeah. But yeah. back then, dudes playing acoustic instruments and a snare drum doing punk rock was weird. <laughs> yes. Like, just right off the top. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, his lyrics on top of that. Punk
2: wasn't a genre. Yeah, yeah. It was
1: like, you can't do punk rock without electric guitars. And then he's standing there, you know. And then he's so wide open, right? And you're like, is this a joke? Or, no, he wrote these when he was 17. And, like, for me, I I really admire somebody. Because, like, I wouldn't have wrote that openly when I was 17 about the actual things going on. And like, oh my God, I'm gonna put this on record. It's just
0: weird because quirky. I'd be
2: scared to like listen right, to this song.
0: Right. I think that they can easily be written off as a joke, as a joke band. Somehow, maybe it's because they're from the Midwest. But think about those other quirky, sort of jokey bands, like maybe the Pixies. Mm-hmm. Um, they're taken probably more seriously. They're not. They're more revered than the Violent Femmes are. Oh, way more. Yeah. And there's another band we're gonna listen to today that has a propensity to be funny, and you know. To, I, yeah, so, yeah. Yes. You know what I mean. So it's so weird. Like, how do you
1: incorporate humor?
0: I know really, because is it like, really funny or is it just qu- quirky?
1: But I, there are two more points I wanted to mention. Henry, sure. you may remember this too. When we were in high school, the late '80s, mm-hmm. going into early '90s, somehow violent films T-shirts, their album covers, because they had two or three albums out at this point,
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of hit that same realm as that that skater culture like um Agent Orange and bands like that you know the Joy Division mm-hmm. so like there were a lot of kids walking around our high school with Violent Femmes t-shirts on with the album covers who didn't know anything more than like you did like that's mm-hmm. a that's like a cool name and like they were skater kids they might not even know the band so that was another reason I thought they were cool before I knew what they were
0: the cover of the record also looked great
1: cool yeah and then I know the three of us before today talked We each kind of maybe have a theme for the episode working. Mine is this band and a couple of the others we're going to cover today were, to me, the advent of college rock, Mm -hmm. which is pre-alternative. Like, what we called it then was college rock, and I was thinking about what's the difference in that and New Wave. The difference was these bands were distinctly American, right? So Violent pop. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you wouldn't call like REM B 52s and violent Fems um, new wave. But I would say you would call them like college rock at that point. Cause we didn't really have the term alternative or indie indie was not invented yeah, yet. That
0: wasn't a term really people used yet you know. Right. But
1: all it's, it's interesting that this month, all three of these bands, which I would say were big pioneers of college rock all happened in April of 1983. But, um, I feel like this it's one was a good one of
2: one. our most like college rock or like indie episodes ever. Cause like all mm-hmm. of the records really are pretty like alternative.
1: Yes. Yes. And I don't, I, it, it just, the way they came out, I, I, I didn't do it on purpose, but yeah, you're right. I looked at it too. I was like, Whoa, this is a pretty, um, under the, under the radar kind of episode.
2: Yeah. It's so hip.
1: So (laughs) this is
0: our cool one, guys. So thumbs up for me on this one. It's sort of one of those things you have to listen to as if you like music, I think.
1: Yeah, I I have to give it a thumbs up because I can't think of it as any other way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's one of those that's just embedded in my brain.
0: It's like a, a, I don't know, it's a bedrock record or some kind. Right.
1: I I do have to admit, though, just like Megan, I I will turn Blister in the Sun if it comes on the radio, though, because I've heard that one enough, but... It's just kind of... It's,
2: like it's not even fun anymore. Right, right.
1: right. <laughs> They've taken the fun out of it.
2: Yeah, American music is more obnoxious say. than anything. But I will give the record itself a thumbs up, and I'm glad that I actually listened to it. So like I said, I didn't really... I kind of just wrote them off.
1: All right, Henry, I, I, I had to give this one to you. Yep.
0: Okay, the next record we're going to consider is a little band from Athens, Georgia called R.E.M. Their uh, Their first album, first LP called murmur and the song we're going to listen to is radio free
3: europe (laughs)
2: Just.
1: <laughs>
2: I love that. Like this is one of my favorite REM songs and albums. Probably <laughs> it's,
1: it's kind of
0: unfair to ask me to say anything about this thing. I guess um,
1: hugely influential on me. Yeah. So just to, just to be name droppy uh, for Henry and I, when we started a band in the nineties, we this this album was mostly recorded in our hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, at Reflection mm-hmm. Studio. That's the only actual recording studio henry and i've ever recorded in mostly because this album was recorded there
0: specifically i mean you could make the case that's why we started our band band, yeah so that we could do that
1: but down in the basement of this studio they have a pool table and when we started recording uh they showed us the pool table because that sound you hear at the beginning of radio free europe is a reverbed out pool balls hitting each other on a pool table. I
2: always wondered. I didn't know.
1: Yeah. And we, we got to like touch the pool table that made the sounds at the beginning of radio for Europe. (laughs) And And that was, that was a big deal. So you might be
2: REM fans.
0: You
1: think? Yeah. We might be. We might be (laughs) REM fans.
0: I mean, so much of this. I mean, I already knew that. I mean, this podcast might not even exist, but for this, this record really probably, (laughs) you know, because I think it was, it's kind of what
1: started us on this whole thing 30 some
0: years ago or whatever.
1: So if you, if you, Henry and I don't talk about this much because I, over the years, have grown less and less enthralled with R.E.M. Uh, With that said, this album, I think, is amazing. I think it's a great record and I think it, it did so much for our region, like musically, like it, it basically blew up the scene around here and changed the way all of us thought about college rock and and being in a band. It was almost like our Sex Pistols. It was like everybody wanted to be in a band because of R.E.M. However.
2: Yeah, one of the definitive college rock bands, sure. I would say.
0: Yeah, like V1.
1: I feel like yeah. they got worse and worse and worse as they went along to the point of almost ruining their name with me later on. But that's not what we're covering right here. We're covering Murmur, which is like. Mm-hmm. yeah like i can barely talk about it if you haven't heard it if you're one of our fans that's just more of a mainstream 80s fan this you you got to listen to this record i think it's wonderful
0: before i got comfortable with this record i only thought i thought that people who had southern accents had to sing country music that's how i felt and so listening to him sing like that i was like oh maybe i can sing with my real accent like maybe i can you know do something that people want to hear
2: Funny like rem i know obviously that they were around in the 80s but like i just always and kind of like the violent femmes i just always associate them with the early 90s because sure. that's when they like became huge huge yes. you know but um this record i mean i think that it still sounds like super good like i just feel like it's aged really well
0: i think one of the reasons it sounds this good is because they didn't know what they were doing they had it was a. It was not slick and well produced like some of the other records that we're going to listen to today, or that we are considering today. It had far better hooks than some of the other ones. Very idiosyncratic, mysterious stuff, and it came about in a time when we weren't, you know, where you a band could get by on just mysterious, cryptic things that they put on a liner note, you know and uh
1: there wasn't so much personality involved and i think that's why it was so cool that's kind of the thing about murmur like most people don't know murmur at all but it's got this cult status that like i think elevates it above any of their other records so for most of our listeners i would be like man go back this is like a find for you go back and check this out so yeah
0: uh big thumbs up uh, you should listen to it just because you're a human being
1: it's what uh southern indie rock sounded yeah. like in the 80s that that's it right there
0: See, there's a gothic edge to it a little bit i always felt like that maybe it was well, just
2: elton the the, cover i think is very think gothic why?
3: looking
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. some darker elements i guess in there
1: yeah i would say and, and just i mean it, it it it's hard to say how much we had not her jangly music like that, except from bands like R.E.M. and the Pretenders, were bringing it on. Like this whole birds influence, the whole jangle pop thing. Just like Peter Buck, just put it on the map, right? Like this whole album, he barely plays a chord; he's just jangling all over the whole thing. They're all
0: open, yeah, yeah, open yeah. Stuff
1: and that sound.
2: After love Peter Buck for his solo on "I Will Dare" by yeah. the Replacements because he played that solo.
1: Right, right. And see, mm-hmm. and, and the, the mystique back when this album came out was he doesn't know how to play guitar. He's only and because he doesn't know how to play guitar, which was always That's this. It was, more, it was kind of fun because it always gave inspiration to guys like us who wanted to start a band, kind of like the Sex Pistols, which was like, you don't have to know how to do it. Just get in there and to do start some doing shit. It. Yeah. Megan, I did not know which album you would not want to pick, which is what I always try to give you, but I just, I just picked one.
2: All right. Well, we're going to do Aztec Camera. Uh, The album is Highland, Hard Rain. It's um, All Music 5, and they kind of had a hit. Um, They wrote it so it would be a hit, but it's called Oblivious. Oblivious.
1: Why do i not get aztec camera rem was not the only jangle band i guess well why don't i like this one then because i don't get it like i feel like i should get it every element sounds good to me but i don't i they don't i feel like it
2: has not aged very well Mm -hmm. i feel like the production in particular like it just doesn't sound i can tell you
1: why
0: it sounds so precious and all that all the songs are so preciously
1: annoying that way so I didn't listen I to them at all back then in '83. I think they were they were kind of big on the new wave scene. I'm I'm assuming they made a big big splash with this first record. And and by and and kudos again to this guy because he was like 19 or 18 when he made this record. Yeah, like okay. think about the record we would have made at 18. I, I, I liked it. Yeah. Look, I, I, when I heard it, I was like, well, I liked i like orange juice better than i like this why this is weird because i was just gonna say i don't know why but they keep making me think of that orange juice.
0: but orange juice is better i feel like because the guy's vocals were. but i didn't even think i was gonna like orange juice Mm -hmm. until i got into it hey folks i'm just gonna interrupt for a second here if you are a podcast junkie like i am you probably thought about starting your own podcast Well, I can tell you firsthand that starting a podcast is one of the best decisions we've ever made, but it can feel a little overwhelming if you don't know how to get started, and that's why I was really glad to find Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way I've ever found to launch a professional or in our case, a semi-amateur professional podcast. These folks have helped over 100,000 people launch their own podcasts. They will get you onto every major podcasting platform like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon. You can also get a great-looking podcast website. There are audio players that you can drop into other websites. My favorite part is the detailed analytics that show uh, how many of you are listening. We look at this all the time. That's how we know where you are and how many of you are there. There are also tools there to promote your episodes and so on. Buzzsprout publishes a new blog on all kinds of topics all the time like equipment and formats and they have their own podcast episodes. There's also YouTube videos every week so that you can learn the ins and outs of podcasting from the people that eat and drink and breathe it so you never feel like you're on your own. So to start your own podcast and to get a $20 Amazon gift card, go and grab the link that I've got in the show notes. This lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you. It also helps support our show. So remember, Buzzsprout, the easiest way to start a podcast.
2: I like this record, but because I remember I had heard about Aztec Camera, so I found this record. At a record store, and it wasn't in like the dollar bin, but it was in the like on sale bin. So right. I picked it up, and like it just doesn't resonate right with you. Like I just feel like it doesn't. Mm. It doesn't really have like a lasting effect.
1: And you know, at all, especially
2: when you listen to like REM, Murmur, putting like, it next to, next to week.
0: this is so hard. Yeah, it's like wheat sauce or something.
1: But I you don't. know, you know those records where you like. I should like this. I want to like this and I and you keep going back to it and it and it falls flat in that it's still okay, but just the fact that I wanted to like it so much makes it bad to me because it's like it's just okay and it should be much better than that.
0: You can't put REM in front of me and a band like the Feelies in front of me and and like even orange juice in front of me, and
1: then expect me to say, Oh, but his tech camera was so great. But I know people, I know actual human beings who've talked about this record in the same light as uh, Murmur.
2: Do you think it's just because it's it has this indie reputation and credibility? Mm, because I think to, a lot of times that's the case. I mean, just I'm sure trying to be cool. Well, yeah.
1: I also, yeah, I also thought about how much, how important to be big videos were at this time i feel like if this particular song we played had had a good video that made it on mtv we would be talking about this record in a completely different light first of all it would probably have a remastered version that sounds uh pops a little bit better but like this isn't even this Not. i shouldn't i'm not saying even i like this band this is not as good as omd or there's just no edge love- to it Yeah, me too, I'm not, yeah, but I mean, like, I expected, when when I hear that name, I always feel like there's weight to Aztec Camera, I just don't get them, I'm always like, okay, this is my chance, it's like, some folks don't get Steely Dan, you know, it's like, oh, Aztec Camera, they were like the band that didn't make it, but it's so cool, and then I listen and I'm just like,
0: what? Uh, All right, so I'm giving this a thumbs down myself, guys.
1: I'm gonna give it a disappointed thumbs down, I wanted this to be good, and for it to be an all-music five-star record, I was expecting more.
2: They're lying. (laughs) They just want to look cool. That's what it is. Stop trying to be
0: cool, Dad.
2: (laughs) Because I was disappointed when I bought this record.
1: Yeah, I'm sure if you paid money for it,
2: I remember not
0: much. I remember specifically Dave Kendall saying something like, "No, this the record from the UK's Aztec Camera," and I remember saying, "Well, the way he said it was Aztec Camera, you know that? Oh, this must be like some." They do British, like, cool shit. And then it was just some guy, some foppish guy singing. That song was terrible, too.
1: I also want to say, I, I feel like the Aztec camera should have been, like, I think I was expecting them to be, like, XTC. Oh, and they, yeah. can't I, even, they can't even hold XTC's, like, I know, shot. man.
0: <laughs> don't even.
1: Okay, go All ahead, right, So
0: the next, re- the next record we're going to consider, <laughs> we're going to consider is a, called the B-52s. An a album called Whammy. Hit it.
1: I mean, how can you not like that? That's great. That's great. It, but it is. I think Megan, you said it earlier. That's very. It's very eighties.
2: It's very new wave sound. The it's rec- kind of the epitome. The of record new wave. does not swing. No. It's, see, and
0: the song. See, the one we just played, "Legal Tender." It's got Cindy Wilson, Cindy Wilson, yeah.
3: Cindy Wilson, yep. and
0: um, and Kate Pearson. They sound fine to me. They they sound wrong to me with a drum with just a drum machine. The songs need to swing. They're a party band, right? Mm-hmm. Fred, by himself, to me, sounds punk rock enough to make a just a synth beat work. Like, you've got to have some sort of punk edge in there
1: for me to make it work. But just those two together, I don't think it worked as well. I see what you're saying. I, I actually like it, but I see what you're saying about the swing. It, it's interesting. So for this record, um, we covered their last record, which was not a full length. Um, mesopotamia right mesopotamia which they did with david byrne from talking heads and i guess they thought it was they just didn't they clashed with him they didn't finish the whole record they put it out as an ep because they thought it was too arty right and they wanted to get back to their party band roots so they self-produced this one and i see what they were trying to do henry i guess i guess you made a good point about the the drums, but... I think the drums, for the band, like the B-52s, which to
0: me are like a party band, that the songs need to breathe a little bit, and the technology didn't exist at the time, it just it put them <laughs> in a box, to, in in my mind. So they
1: weren't really... That's I think that's why this didn't work for me. I guess for me, the problem was, I feel like David Byrne was right. Like, I like Mesopotamia. I like where they were headed. I think they were... I think you take their party band instincts... And artsy them up, and they could have been one of the greatest art rock bands of the time. This to me is a left turn into just like uh, fun, uh, over
0: yeah, an overcorrection. Right? Fra-
1: yeah, it's like okay, if you're having a frat party at, at Georgia, yeah, let's put this on, and you know.
0: But I, I'm with you with the Mesopotamia. Like, I think if that had been given more attention, if they had just mm-hmm. worked on it a little bit more, given them some time, and if the record company had gotten out of the way then then they their band could have taken a different direction completely so i
2: think that all the ingredients to be an artsy band like i've actually like their earlier stuff i just kind of maybe it was their look too but like they just kind of struck me as an arty kind of group so like the fact that they are a party band especially with their like later stuff with like like uh Love Shack
3: mm-hmm. which, ugh,
2: at this point. But yeah. um, yeah, it's weird that they didn't go in the artsy direction because I would have thought that that's what they would have wanted to do, but it wasn't.
1: Well, this week uh, I, I've had all these coincidences, but this, I was already thinking about this and then I I've been listening to this joy division podcast um, mm. called transmissions. It's like the story of joy division. And they were interviewing, they were playing an old interview with Tony Wilson, where, you know, it, it's, I don't know, for a lot of people that are fans, it's famously known that uh, Martin Hammett, who was the producer of, the, of Unknown Pleasures, basically changed the way Joy Division sounded. And Joy Division actually hated that fucking record, uh, the way it mm-hmm. sounded, because they wanted to sound like a big, loud, mean punk band. And Unknown Pleasures is like one of the 20 greatest underground records of all time basically because of what martin hammett did to it and of course uh, on the podcast but you know peter hook is now saying you know we were not smart enough to hear it at the time but um tony wilson who started factory records said it in this interview was so blunt he was uh, he said musicians are good at making music but they're terrible at um understanding music they don't know they don't understand music at all and he Mm -hmm. said joy division were great at making that album, but they had no understanding of, you know, what they had. And that's what they needed guys like me for. And I think when I heard that, that was my first thought with the B-52s was, I don't think they, they took for granted what they had with Mesopotamia and took this left turn back to just being a party rock band when they were on the right track. And sometimes I think as a musician, you are too close to your stuff to be like, to understand what you have right
0: we were clever enough at the very beginning to know that musicians know fuck
1: all about music they're given the gift of writing it but their attitude to it is bollocks so i think that the first time i ever realized that was when uh, joy division didn't like unknown pleasures you know this is something incredibly special you now go fuck yourself that was an important lesson to learn that musicians are given the godlike gift of writing music knowing about music is often a little beyond them
0: Maybe. I mean, hindsight, it, I, I don't even know, because they ended up being, they had, were the most famous band in the world just a few albums later, right?
1: I don't, yeah. but Where I'm... They, I, hi-
0: I, they highlighted uh, Fred, justifiably so, because he was so interesting.
1: Yeah, but I don't know? think, so the, the album that you're talking about, Cosmic Thing, I don't... Was two,
0: right? Two big ones? Well, Cosmic Thing was like? the
1: one that had the... the the big hits on it, Maybe. I think, but okay. but in, if you, in a time capsule fifty years from now, no one's going to put Cosmic Thing in there. Whereas they had, they were in a direction with Mesopotamia where they might end up making a record that we're all like, like Murmur. Now, you know, it might not have been the biggest hit in America, but it would have been like. I think they would. I guess what I'm saying is they, they had Lightning in a Bottle and they mm. they poo pooed it to be a party rock band, and in the same way, judging my my heroes, Joy Division. Literally said, we wanted to throw unknown pleasures in the garbage and start over. Imagine mm-hmm. we wouldn't even be talking about Joy Division if they'd have done that. Right? I just
2: can't imagine
1: right. that. So,
0: you agree with me then that the band worked works better when there are instruments or playing something in a room played by human beings. This band does. Rather
1: like, than this. Yes, B-52s do, but I will say this. I see what they were going for. Like, Drum Machine at the time was brand new and mm. hip and, like, new wavy, and they nailed it. I mean, it sounds it's very a, new wave.
0: Yeah, and it's better than Mesopotamia, I think.
1: Whammy? Yeah. I yes. disagree.
0: It, it It's better than Mesopotamia as a record, but Mesopotamia is too futzed with.
1: I I like Mesopotamia better. I would say it's better because it's longer. It's just, Mesopotamia is an EP. I but. think the
0: songs are good on Mes- on um, on Whammy. I think they're better than Mesopotamia, but 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 the execution with the drum drums are not.
1: So to me, all Mesopotamia is is Whammy with um, somebody who's super artistic being filtered through him. I could get that. I and get that. so I would say the songs are every bit as good as on Mesopotamia it's just you're getting David Byrne eyes songs on Mesopotamia. And I like that better. For me, it's a more interesting, enjoyable record than Whammy. Although I don't dislike Whammy or the B fifty two I don't either. I don't either. I'm just saying that I just their best work is uh, not behind
0: them but to come
3: probably.
1: I will and definitely say so. and maybe I'm and maybe I'm biased, if you if you're a fan of our show and you want to listen to a B fifty twos record, you definitely would be better putting this on than Cosmic thing. I do not really like the 90s, like, polished, let's-go-for-the-radio B-52s. Disappeared. I love like
2: her voice, Kate Pearson's voice. I've always thought that she has, like, a really great voice. Yes. Um, so, like, they're very talented. Very, it's just,
1: and, I, and their voices together are great, too.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they blend really It's good. just the B-52s have never really been my thing, but I, I don't hate them, and I respect them.
1: Mm-hmm. Me too. I just want the record to swing, man. That's all. It's
2: supposed to be fun. Like, I feel like yeah. everybody views them as like a fun kind of band.
1: Hey man, those cats just don't swing, man. Hey, he just swing, man. <laughs> those groovy cats just don't swing for Henry. It's just not swinging. Okay. Um, so I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a sideways thumb. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It, it's okay. It's, it's not bad. It's it's better than Aztec camera, but yeah, I, I don't think it's great. Yes, I'll give it a thumbs up, but I
0: just see I see the potential.
2: A, I probably won't ever listen to it again. But
1: boy, that's a that's, a, it a, that's a resounding thumbs, thumbs up. up I'm I'll never going to listen to this again. Really.
2: Well, I never listened to the B52s unless like they come on, you know, organically. Like i never really am like I want to listen to the B52s.
0: Oh my god, guys, I have to listen to the B52s at <laughs> night. <laughs> see, the problem is when you start trying to imitate fred then people think you're just making fun of gay yes yes
1: and that was not and i try to be
0: flattering you know because he's so interesting oh my god well you know i think we
1: we (laughs) had long we had long discussions at the time henry and i about because another band we loved had a guy that did the same sort of thing and we were always like i at the time thought the guys ruined the bands now i don't but the sugar cubes like you had Bjork singing and then you had a guy that would come on and be like I was sitting in bathtub looking at myself in mirror oh and then she would sing some great line but then I was like well her singing is even better when that guy's doing that shit so I like it <laughs> now by the time I was like who's that fucking guy
3: It surprised me. He put me in a bathtub, made me squeaky clean, really clean. To create
1: But the thing but was too. That. Yeah. I, and, and I'd always heard this being close to Athens. The mystique of that band, like live, Fred, is like the master of ceremonies. Like He's got everything clicking over. But like those two girls sound like angels together when they harmonize. And then no matter what Fred sounds like, he just comes in like, Hey, do da day, hey, hey. <laughs> and it's just so jarring. Hi,
0: guys. <laughs> yeah.
1: It just can be so jarring. I'm, I
0: right. come over everything.
1: Right. Um, all right. The last record we're going to cover is by a band called Sparks. I like to say it now that way. I think there should be an exclamation mark at the end. It should always be Sparks. Sparks. Yep. I agree. The album is called In Outer Space. It's an all-music four-star album. It's also something we like because um, Henry and I are, I don't know about Megan yet. We'll have to ask her. Our big Sparks fans. I Sparks a lot. Awesome. And we're all Sparks fans. There was one actual hit on this record. I think might be the only album we've covered that had a hit. Um, it was called Cool Places, and this is Cool Places.
2: Funny that sparks of all the bands on this list had a hit
1: yeah you're right you're totally right i agree with you because i was shocked to remember that this was a hit for Sparks. so it was I, only because jane Whelan was on it yes and that's why you I should recuse her. yourself i've always had a crush on jane wheelan she's like the, an
2: underrated 80s
0: babe i have her solo album <laughs>
2: Uh, Rush Hour, I love that song.
0: Do you? It's great. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's great. No,
2: that's a good song. I, 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 know, think. I know.
1: Henry Henry guy. had her solo record for all the wrong reasons, though Megan. So don't get.
2: Guess what? Still money and games.
0: <laughs> yeah, I still.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I, I, this is not "Cool Places" is not the best song on this album. No,
1: no, that's the that that's was the, the that's the thing. Mm-hmm. This
0: might be one of the worst ones, worser
1: ones. I think so too.
0: It's not bad. I'm just saying it on the spectrum, it's, "Lucky Me, Lucky You" is a much better song. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I agree. Think, I feel it. I, I think it, this
2: song "Cool Places" sounds very 80s. Like
1: yes, I don't know. And that's the interesting part. So like Sparks, there's a new documentary. We've probably talked about it before. That's out now. That is worth watching. About the Sparks you brothers,
2: you shared it with me. I need to watch it still, though.
1: Yes, it's great. But like, they have so many albums. But that that was part of their thing. Like every record was going to be different, and this one just like mm-hmm. hit the new wave. Um, like hit it, hit the nail on the head. Versus their last record, which had a different sound, and the record before that had a different sound. They did disco. They did all kinds of stuff. This
0: is their twelfth album, right?
1: Here in 1983,
0: it was their twelfth album. <laughs> and if, if you
1: listen to the album we covered in 1981, Womp That Sucker, it's like a totally different album. band. I yeah. do too. Less yeah.
0: guitar, totally committed to synth on this one. Yep. Right. Best album cover with the pie hitting Russell in the face. Like, and I think. To me, it, it's almost like emblematic because Russell, when when Russell had to write the the record with synths and stuff, it pushed Ron's lyrics to kind of toward the front. I think you got to, him backwards, by the way. Ron, oh really, has the pie in his face. Ron's got the pie in his face. Mm-hmm. Ron always right. Ron's the, the one that always looks cool with the hair and all that
1: mustache.
0: He's the better looking of the two. No. Ron is. Russell's Russell's getting hit in the face.
1: Nope. Okay. Let's get this cleared up right now.
0: Ron, <laughs> Russell, Ron and Russell Russell's got the mustache. Ron's the good looking one with the hair. Ron Mail.
1: Ron Mail looks like this. Damn it, I've got him backwards. Yep. Yep. Russ is the good looking one that uh hooked up with Jane Whelan. Ron is the one that writes all the songs about his brother hooking up with hot chicks.
0: Damn it, it never fails, I'll fat finger that. And
1: anyway. I'm gonna leave that in there too. I'm not editing out that you fucked that up.
0: That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that'll work
2: so much for being a sparks fan henry yeah
0: you're, you're sparks anyway, down the tubes anyway the right guy got hit in the face because the other guy's stuff was pushed to the floor
1: that's it you know though like the documentary helped me learn too the interesting thing about sparks and their lyrics are so good and so funny on all their albums but ron has to write songs that Russ has to sing, so Russ is like this good looking like mm-hmm. uh dude that like seems to do well in the rock star mode with the ladies and things, and Ron always wants to be that way, but he doesn't, and it's just this weird juxtaposition because he's Russ is singing these songs of longing and stuff that sound like Ron right it sounds like it should be coming out of the uh, other yeah it sounds like guy. it should be coming the other way, but he sings them so confidently it gives it this like ironic like hilarious edge to it and um it's just this perfect pairing of the of of these guys. I can't believe that they haven't gone like Oasis and beat each other to hell at some point and stuck together this whole time.
0: There's a lot of energy on this record and a whole bunch of snark
1: all in it. Man, all of their records have a lot of snark though, it's mm-hmm. great.
2: Some but so- it's fun. Like,
1: and fun, like, it's, it's fun, not sure.
2: Super negative, you know what I mean? Well, uh, like I feel like they yeah. have a very fun Wait and like whether that's actually cuz I haven't watched the movie yet like whether that's actually the case or not maybe they do have like a Liam and Noel kind of thing going on but I don't think no, so not at all. Yeah, no
0: man from what i could tell these guys operate totally symbiotically like it's almost creepy they're like they're in a room together they both have their own uh pro tools set up you know with big screens and everything in his in very modest house
1: it's almost like um In the in the movie, you get this feeling like, did these dudes like ever have lives outside of each other? Like, did they get married, or did they? It's almost like like it is like symbiotic. Like Henry says, like they spend every day together. Like they clock in, they go to Ron's house, and they both sit at their little Pro Tools set up side by side and write their music. They get their coffee. I mean,
2: I believe it. If this was their thirteenth album in nineteen eighty three, they probably don't do a whole lot of right that's that's a lot like
0: i didn't know that supposedly this is that they did struggle throughout the eight like the records weren't as good through the rest of the 80s this was like their biggest best of the 80s until it started coming back around again in the 90s like they went through a streak of supposedly the next two records weren't that great but
1: i'll know when i hear them but for a band that uh, nobody's actually heard of, they've done so many things. Like this yeah. this they had a hit. This sounds very new wave. They had a ba- they had an album in the seventies, uh, Kimono My House, which is like a cult classic album. They had a disco album with that Giorgio Mordor guy that was like uh, recognized was as a yeah, it's like recognized as one of the great disco records. Like these dudes did fucking everything. Twenty-one albums. Yes. Yeah. But not like just twenty-one albums. Like they, they actually did stuff that is like, wow, I didn't know they pulled that off. And somehow
0: they're able to pull it off while still ha- having these just funny, weird, quirky things. Like, mm-hmm. unlike some, why are the, why do these guys, why do these guys re- so revered, whereas the violent films get left behind?
1: Right. Right?
2: Do you think it's because Sparks never had, like, the huge one song? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like Blister in the Sun. I mean, maybe it wasn't huge in 1983, but, like, I just feel like they're so, like, the Violent films are so known for that song that that's like, people just kind of write them off. That's what I did. Yeah. And then with I, Sparks, I mean, we kind of view them as being more artistically credible. Almost, it's almost because like an they If, never had if that Cool huge Places success.
1: had been massively huge, it might have hurt them. Yeah, like I'm glad it
0: didn't. I'm glad it. I'm glad it was only moderately popular. Right.
1: Right. Um, That's a great point.
0: And, again. and in the Sparks documentary, you know they chart these guys' success. It's not like they didn't try. They tried their ass off.
1: <laughs> oh, they wanted you know to what be. I mean? Yeah, they, they wanted, wanted to, to be big. Yeah, ginormous. Yeah, yeah, right.
0: But but they just kept making records and just kept doing it. Just kept doing it. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Right. change, you know, get rid Which of the other guy. ended up
2: being a way to do it, though, for it them. Like, an- that's probably the best direction it could have went in. They're, sure.
1: a, they're a duo, not really a band, I guess. So they just put out, a, their lifelong dream was to put out a musical, and I guess they, they just did it, a uh, musical called Annette. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can't remember that guy that stars in it, but it's... Adam Driver. Adam Driver yep. stars in it, and uh, cool. I liked it better than I think Henry did. I, I could hear Ron's lyrics in all the songs so i was kind of like envisioning it as a sparks
0: album my mouth was open the whole time mostly because i'm like i can't believe these guys got to make
1: it out make this movie make a movie right so they've done it 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 all they've done
0: it all it was every bit as strange as they are
1: oh yeah it's a weird movie so i would recommend that but this album is really good it's it's new wave too so like you're not going to be disappointed with your 80s fix with this album, and when they write songs, they're so on the nose. Like
0: some of the, song, do you have the the album pulled up? Some of the song titles were just like one of them's just about sex. So oh, all right. you think yeah.
3: about sex. All, yeah, all you think about yeah. is sex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and the uh, that Annette movie that they just did. There's a song. This is when we start, and it's all the characters singing the start of the movie. This is the start of the movie, guys. <laughs> and the song
1: is great. It is. It is a great song. Dance, God damn it. That's a good song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nihilistic a little bit, too. Just dance, God damn it. So, yeah, I'm going to give this a thumbs, a, a big thumbs up. I like this record a lot. Me too. And uh, just to pull it all back around to XTC, it's another band. Every time I listen to them, I'm like, why don't I listen to them more? Totally. Mm-hmm. An Aztec camera I'm never going to listen to again. I've tried.
2: Yeah. There's just nothing special about it.
1: Nope. All right. So Henry, is this a thumbs up or thumbs down for you? All right. It's thumbs up for me and Megan. Thumbs up for you. All right. So let's go to our big finish. Um, Megan, you can start with your pick of the episode.
2: You're making me go first.
1: Mm
3: -hmm, Oh, it's such mm -hmm.
2: a hard decision because I'm torn between murmur and in outer space. So I think I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose In Outer Space just because I, it's just such a fun record to listen to. I love Murmur, though, so it's a hard decision to make.
1: All right. Henry. Murmur, you know I'm going to pick that. Henry picks Murmur. I'm going with Outer Space. I'm going with Megan. I think that is a great record that never got the uh, mystique that Murmur I got. I think
0: everybody should listen to that. I mean, I didn't know how much I liked Sparks until the podcast came along and I found that. Man, man. I'm so all about those guys. Yep.
2: I feel like the internet has really helped them uh, kind of get the popularity that they always wanted in some way, which is funny because they've been around so long, like in the internet, you know, you just wouldn't think that that would help a band like that. But that's the great part about like, you know, the internet and
1: Spotify. (laughs) I know. And they're like in their seventies.
0: 71 years old. (laughs) Yeah. And you're fine. And the world's finding you finally. Yes. In this
1: treasure trove of records you've done. All right, Uh, so Henry, why don't you do the thing you always do at the end?
0: Excellent. So if you like the records we're choosing, please consider subscribing to the pod. You'll have our newest content downloaded to your device. Please review us on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, or other platforms like Stitcher and Spotify that you're using. You can chat us up, ask us questions, even on Twitter at 80sExposed, or email us at 80sMusicExposed at gmail.com. You can hit us up on voicemail or speak hype chris what is your twitter handle it is at TCI duke my twitter handle is at hank g you can find megan on insty
2: at bastards of young 92
0: all right thank you everybody for listening to our show we really enjoy talking to you and hearing from you so please hit us up chris megan guess what what i made you a mixtape